readers. I'm Katie. And I'm Sarah. And we are bookish like that. Okay, readers. So we are reading the Southern's Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. And before we get started, I just want to say that there are lots of things that happen in this book that are super unpleasant. There's, you know, lots of topics that are hard to talk about. We're going to try to get through it as best we can. But there may be some triggers. The trigger went into a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> already. This book is already making me want to bang my head against a wall. But it gets you kind of prepared for what's coming. It does. So Patricia's our main lady in this story. And it starts out in 1988. And Patricia is in a book club called the Literary Guild of Mount Pleasant. And this book club only reads books that everyone hates and only pretends to like. No one really likes these books. No. Patricia is a speaker at this book club meeting, and she never got around to finishing the book. And she just keeps saying like she tried, but a mother is, you know, never ending and she just couldn't do it. Every time she tried to sit down and read it, something would happen. And she wasn't very interested in it to begin with. So it just got away from her. Being moms, it was very relatable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So she goes to her meeting and decides that she's just going to fake it till she makes it. But she immediately gets called out for not reading the book. And during this meeting, we also meet another a few other key players. We meet Grace, part a big part of the story, Slick and Mary Ellen, and we also meet Kitty. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be the main ladies in the story. When the book club gets dismissed, Katie tells Patricia that, you know, this book club sucks. I'm reading this murder mystery book. A few other people come to my house and talk about it. Join us. It's kind of funny because they're like on the down low. <laughs> We're yeah. inviting you. And Patricia's like, what's happening? Yeah, like, don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, the next month rolls around and they decide that they aren't going to be a book club. They're just going to be a group of women that get together and read the same book and talk about it. But they're not giving themselves like a name or anything. Now it's 91. And Patricia's husband, and his name is Carter... Well, his mom comes to live with them and they soon find out that she can't live alone anymore. She's, you know, getting older and she's not, she just can't live by herself. So, of course, when Carter calls to tell his siblings that, you know, mom needs help, they all have reasons why they can't. So Patricia steps up and tells him, we can do this. We can take care of her. She can stay here. They turn their little garage room into like a mother-in-law suite. They get her a nurse and her name is Miss Green. They, well, you know, at first it's Patricia taking care of everything. Well, it's always Patricia taking care. That never changes. And then I think somebody sends over Miss Green, one of her friends. Probably Grace. Yeah, and it's pretty cute how they're like, we'll take care of this. And they send over all sorts of help, and it's cute. Mm -hmm. Well, now, Miss Green isn't the nicest. Or no, I'm sorry, Miss Green is amazing. Yeah. Miss Mary isn't the nicest. She's older, she's starting to lose her connection with reality, and she's just mean. She's mean to the kids. She's nasty to Patricia. And it's not real it's just she's losing her grip yeah you know but prior to this she was perfectly fine well now it's may 1993 and we're at another not a book club meeting and they've just finished reading helter skelter and as they're sitting around talking about you know the murder and the true crime and how it's so easy to get swept away and why didn't anyone know it leads to gossip and what comes up is this woman her name is miss savage has this weird van parked in front of her house. And Miss Savage is an older lady that lives down the street from Patricia. Grace, who happens to be like the know-it-all of the group, you know, she's always caught up on gossip. She always knows what's going on. And she's the, I show up and I have a plan. I'm going to delegate and this is going to get done. That's that friend. And kind of proper. She's got a proper way of doing Mm -hmm. it. That's how you do it. And that's the only way. Well, Grace happens to know that the van belongs to Miss Savage's nephew. 
And she know this because she took a pie over and asked him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now the meeting is over and it's dark and Patricia goes home. She notices that her son hasn't taken out the trash. So she doesn't really want to deal with it. But she just does it on her own. And it's dark outside and it's creepy. And so when she rounds the corner to take out the trash, she sees that some of the trash cans are knocked over and trash is just all over the place. She also hears this weird slurping sound and sees like this dirty pair of feet. And so she's moving the flashlight up this body and she sees Miss Savage. But she sees Miss Savage covered in blood with like weird black hair all over her face. And then she sees a dead raccoon in her lap. And Patricia is processing what she's watching. Miss Savage reaches into the raccoon, scoops some guts out of the animal. And then eats it. Is sucking it. Is sucking the guts out of the raccoon. You can't see my face right now, but I'm disgusted. <laughs> it was so descriptive mm. and so yucky. Then Miss Savage <laughs> starts crawling towards her and Patricia's frozen. And she ends up getting all the way on top of her. Miss Savage is all the way on top of Patricia and bites a piece of her ear off. We also, I mean, like... Kind of funny, though, because the way Patricia's like, oh, no, <laughs> she's on top of me. <laughs> Oh, yeah. How'd this happen? Two things here. One. Patricia doesn't freak out a normal amount. (laughs) I'm screaming. Okay. What? Let me tell you. You want to, like, chill me to my core? Crawl. Yeah, it was like a creepy crawl. Yeah, hands and feet. Let me tell you. Crawling hands and feet, creepy as hell. I would go toe-to-toe with anybody. Yeah. Not afraid to throw some hands. You get on your hands and knees and start crawling. My ass is out. I'm running towards the hills. I'm done. I'm not doing this. You win. Here's my monies. Mm -hmm. I'm gone. I can't. uh, uh, I would have passed the hell out. I can't handle that. And it was so descriptively gross. It was, yeah, it was a lot. But I'm screaming. I was like, I can like feel it. Blech. But it, the sucking out the intestines of the raccoon was what got me. The crawling. I'd watch somebody do that all day, but don't you crawl towards me. Ew. Hell no. Well, anyway, so the next morning, you know, she's gotten her ear bitten off. She also is super sad because her earrings that her husband has given to her, one of them got bit off and, you know, chewed by a woman next door. Well, her <laughs> husband tells her that... To not worry about it. It's fake costume jewelry. And he was given it. He didn't even buy it. No. And that's and not. she's like heartbroken. That's not the last time Carter's going to piss you off. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't worry. Well, you know, her ear is bitten off. Her husband leaves for work the next morning because he doesn't want to miss out on a promotion. Mm-hmm. You'll be fine. Well, thank God she has friends and they start calling and checking up on her and they tell her that Miss Savage has passed away. And Patricia is torn because she doesn't know if she should bring the nephew a casserole or say, screw you, your auntie bit my ear off. Yeah. And I know that sounds weird. I don't know what the etiquette is up up north, but you are torn between doing what you think is right, which is bring somebody a casserole when somebody passes away, bring somebody food, or being like, screw you, pal, give me back my earring. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get it. It sounds silly, but I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, Miss, she goes to Miss Savage's house. She's decided to bring him a casserole. Well, there's no answer at the door. So, she decides to just go in. It's unlocked. Why not? Well, while she's looking around, she finds that there's a body on the bed. And she knows that he's dead. So, she runs over. She you used know, to be a nurse. So Yeah, she used to be a nurse. She feels around. He's not breathing. So, she does CPR. 
And while she's doing CPR, the man underneath her starts struggling and sputtering and she freaks out. Casserole goes flying. She goes flying. Everyone's screaming and he's not dead. How embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? Him, like this she's man. She's apologizing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how embarrassing. Well, naturally he kicks her out because get away from me, you weirdo. Well, when she's leaving, she sees a woman named Francine pulling into the house and she's a little worried about her reputation. You know, she's yeah. leaving. Francine and saw her. Francine saw her. Single man. Yeah. Well, the next day at dinner, the doorbell rings. And when she goes to get it, it's James Harris. And that's the man she thought was dead. He's the nephew. She invites him in and she's introducing him to her family and whatnot. Miss Mary freaks the hell out. She keeps saying that she has a photograph and that she wants her money because it's her daddy's money. And she's just super angry. And all of this is directed at James Harris. And she also keeps calling him Hoyt and that she recognizes him. And everyone is kind of... what happened to those children, Hoyt? Yes. Tell me what happened to the children. She keeps calling him an ice cream man in his ice cream suit. And it all sounds like gibberish. And she tries to spit in his face at one point and it doesn't really work out for her. So they take take her away. Sorry, she's losing it. Yeah. So they're all apologizing. She walks James to the door and, you know, every, the whole thing is a mess. Well, when Patricia comes back, you know, to calm everyone down and kind of looks at Carter, like, what are we going to do? Carter says, Mom seemed a little weird tonight, don't you think? And then leaves his ice cream bowl on the table table for her to clean up. And she says at this point, like, I hated everyone at that point. Mm-hmm. Which, it's not necessarily, I understand what she's saying. Yeah. I mean, can you help me a little bit? I had to usher your mom away and you just left your ice cream bowl on the table expecting me to do it. And also, mom was a little weird, huh? And it doesn't affect his life at all. No, but it's her whole world. Yeah. Well, the next day, she goes over to James Harris's house to apologize again. And when she gets there, he looks really sick. And he tells her that he can't be in the sun because it makes him sick. He has a condition. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. We all know what that means. He also tells her that he has, you know, a lot to do and he doesn't know how to do it or where to start. That Francine just up and quit on him. And he has no help. So he convinces her to help him out. And she's driving him around town. They go to the bank. All this jazz. His wallet is stolen. He has no identification on him. He's got a large bag of money. Yep. As they're driving around, (laughs) he shows her that he found $80,000 worth of cash in a crawl space. And she doesn't question him because, like, why would he lie? And she's Southern and just supposed to be nice. Yeah, you're not allowed to talk about things like that. Yeah, you don't talk about money. Well, while they're out running around, she invites him to their next book club meeting. She also happens to not tell her friends that he's coming. Yeah, and this is like... All, yeah, she just so, shows up. She's so funny. She's like, I know I should have told him. It just never came up. It never once came up. I've talked to you all month long, multiple yeah. times, but this didn't come up. I think that, you know, this is a girls club. They don't have men. They kind of all use this as a way to get away from their husbands and their children. And Mary Ellen handled it the best. Yeah. I think, because while he's, like, about to open up his mouth to give his opinion of the book, she says, quote, oh, great, another man with his opinions, end quote. Yeah, she's funny. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I know. I was like, that's something I would say. Yeah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. What's the man got to say? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Don't mansplain murder to me, dude. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Well, Kitty also looks him dead in the eye and says that he could be a serial killer. 
because we don't know you. You could be a serial killer. Yeah. They're just not super trusting. The whole book they're describing is pretty much describing him. A yeah. stranger Rolls comes into in town. and we're all just supposed to be kind and mm-hmm. yeah. Mind your manners. Mm-hmm. Well, as they go on to talk about the book, Killy, or Killy, that's not her name. Kitty is saying that, like, a man with no roots and no ties to a place is weird. Dangerous, And they're all kind of looking over Patricia's shoulder. When she turns around, she sees Miss Mary standing there completely naked, yelling at James that she has a photo of Hoyt, and she remembers him. And it kind of throws a wrench into her evening, and everyone leaves. And, you know, there's just no coming back from naked grandma and yeah. screaming in the corner. So she gets her friend, her, gets her kids ready for bed and she goes to her daughter's room to check on her and finds her hiding in the closet and her daughter whispers to her, mom, there's someone on the roof. And Patricia believes her because she felt like something was wrong all evening. So she keeps it quiet and like calmly tells her, you know, calm down. Everything's fine. I don't see anyone. It's going to be okay. Well, then she goes to her son's room to check on him And he tells her that someone's on the roof, too. And just as she is about to say the same thing to him, she hears it. She hears somebody walking on the roof. Well, and the kids have not talked. And they're both saying the same thing. Yeah. Obviously, it's Somebody's on the roof. Yeah. So she jumps right into action. She grabs both kids. They run downstairs. You know, they're trying. She's making a plan. Well, and the way he writes this is so suspenseful. I mean, you are like, hurry. (laughs) Yes, he's behind you. Yeah. So, so she, they go downstairs and she is, you know, locking all the doors. She sees a hand slowly retreat Mm -hmm. back from the porch overhang. And at this moment, she calls 911 she hands us the phone for her daughter. As she's seeing the hand leave, she remembers that there is a window open upstairs. And so she runs to close the window. Let me pause right here. Because this part, this window thing, is not important to the story. I could have easily left that out. But the way he writes this yeah. is insane. Is she? He's describing it and she's racing against time. She can feel him breathing down her back. And it's yeah. so real. I couldn't get over it. It's not wasted description. No. No, it isn't. This is, you've, we've all felt that way at yeah. one point. I walk a little faster and turn on the light. We've all done that. Mm-hmm. Whether it's been at 30 or 7, mm-hmm. we've all felt somebody breathing down our back. Yeah. Well, she decides that she's just going to run across the street and call 911 because their phones are off. When she opens the door, James Harris is there. And she tells him what's going on and he tells her, calm down. I'll stay with you until the police get here. Well, the police get there. Carter shows up 40 minutes later and says that he's not saying that she made it up, but it's the books you read. And she's just went a little crazy on it. Yeah. And she never says, well, the kids heard it and saw it before me. I mean, she just kind of takes it and Mm -hmm. it gets on your nerves a bit, but it's her life. Okay. Patricia goes down to check on Miss Mary. Miss Mary has this moment of... I don't know what it would Clarity, be. Clarity, Clarity, yes. Where she starts telling her the story of her youth. Trigger warning, guys. This is when it starts getting pretty rough. Her dad was making moonshine and selling it. So this is the 1920s. Well, a man named Hoyt comes along and offers to sell him her dad's moonshine in Columbia. And her dad agrees. And life is good for a while. Well, then Hoyt, who is now a staple in the, their house, he's over all the time. There's nothing to complain about until one day kids start go missing 
and they all start pointing fingers and believing it's a local man being blamed and his name is Leon. And the only reason he's being blamed is because he's colored and it's the 20s and people really sucked and Hoyt is the one saying that he's doing this. So everyone believes him. Well, they get into a frenzy and they go and find Leon and they bury him under a peach tree in her childhood home. They all sobered up the next day and they remembered what they did. They just couldn't face it. Her dad never got over it and neither did the town. And he, they all just like drank until they died. And Hoyt was gone. Yeah, Hoyt, Hoyt left. Well, Miss Mary never forgot that Hoyt did this and still blames him for it. And remember that Miss Mary is lucid during this time of the story. And it's been a really long time since she's been this clear mm -hmm. and this present. So it, Patricia is a little rattled. She's taking it all in. Yeah. And, and, and enjoying this, not enjoying this story, but that Miss Mary is here with her. Because mm -hmm. it's been a long time since she has been with the Miss Mary that she knew. Yeah. Well, now it's 1993, and summer's here in the South. And for those of y'all that don't live here in the South, this means that it's miserable outside and everything sucks. Well, James Harris is starting to come over for dessert more, and Carter likes this because, or Patricia likes this because Carter has stopped coming home before dark, mm -hmm. and she's still a little scared about what happened last time. Her son, his name is Blue, only wants to talk about World War II and the Nazis. Her daughter, Corey, is being a teenager and it's no fun there. Well, her family goes to a birthday party and at this time, it kind of switches to Miss Green's point of view. And Miss Green is the nurse for Miss Mary. While they are at home, Miss Green sees that there is a swarm of rats coming into the house and it ends up being a really big deal. Miss Mary gets attacked by a swarm of rats and passes away. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, much more descriptive than that. I know that, that, but... that sounds absolutely ridiculous, and I'm laughing, but the way he describes it is insane. So scary. You need to read it. And gross. I hate critters. <laughs> well, I mean, how ridiculous. And even Patricia says this. Like, she has to keep telling people... A swarm of rats came and killed her. You know? Yeah. Like, it, how, how absurd is that? Like, absolutely insane. Super <laughs> disturbing, though, but, reading it. So, Patricia and Kitty go to check on Miss Green, because, you know, she just got attacked by a swarm of and rats. And she tried to save Miss Mary. She did try to save Miss Mary. Well, she, Miss Green lives in an area called Six Mile, and when they get there, she tells everyone in her area that, you know, kids are a little on edge, and so are parents, because people are going missing, and the kids that aren't going missing are starting to act really strange. They're being withdrawn. They're hurting themselves. And no one really knows what to do about it. She also tells her that she's been taking notes of cars that come by. Just so she can, if some, uh, when a kid goes missing, she can give the police, like, this car was here and it doesn't belong here. Mm -hmm. So she tells Patricia this. And she also says, I saw a white van with the numbers X. L3S and she missed the first two because it was driving away. And then Miss Green also tells Patricia that there's a little girl named Destiny Taylor that, you know, has been starting to sleep all day and she's not eating or drinking. In some mornings her mom finds leaves and twigs in her hair. And Patricia just doesn't really get over that. Like that sticks when you hear a story like that, it sticks with you. And Kitty's just ready to go. She doesn't really believe it. She's ready to get this over with. I don't think that Kitty doesn't believe it. I think Kitty's uncomfortable. She doesn't want to believe it. I she think, kept saying, I haven't heard about this. 
I haven't yeah. heard about this in the news. I didn't read it in the paper. Yeah. Well, Patricia leaves, and in her heart of heart, she knows that the villain that the van belongs to James. So she goes in and she looks around, but as she's driving past his house, she notices a red Chevy on his yard instead of the van. So he's like gotten rid of the van. Yeah. It was odd timing. And so then you're kind of like, hmm. Well, Patricia goes to talk to her friend Grace about this and tells her how she's feeling because Grace, like we said before, is the take charge friend, the friend with the plan, the friend that's going to get the stuff voice done. Of reason kind of how they see her. Well, her Grace tells her that she's insane and she needs to let it go and she's just looking for adventure. She's a she's a desperate housewife pretty mm-hmm. much. And so that bothers her. Well, Patricia can't get over it, even though Grace tells her to. And so she calls Miss Green back and convinces her to let her talk to Destiny's mom. Well, when they get there, the mom's not too happy, but she lets her in. Well, when they go to check on Destiny, she's gone. She's not there. Not in her bed. So Miss Green and Destiny's mom call the police. And while they're calling the police, Patricia grabs a flashlight and goes to look for her. And she's in the woods looking and so she's she keeps telling herself like four more steps four more steps and hang on destiny i'm coming and four more steps and you know talking to herself up and again so real yeah so so real as she's running she finds a white van off of like a sandy back road trigger warning again here guys when she opens the back doors of the van she sees someone doing something weird to destiny while she's trying to get a good look on what's happening, she notices a mark up on Destiny's upper thigh, right below, like, where your undies would be. And when the guy turns around, it's James. But it's not, like, a normal human being. He has this, like, weird thing coming out of his, like, mouth, chin area. And he seems to not be able to see her because the flashlight in his, is in her eyes. And so she takes off running. Again, this part is super descriptive. If y'all have seen Blade Trinity, you know how their, like, jaws kind of open up and, like, a tentacle comes mm-hmm. out? That's what I imagined. I think so, too. That's yeah. what I pictured at it this part. It is very scary, and this is when I decided I can't read it at night. <laughs> <laughs> no nighttime reading? Not before bed. <laughs> this is... <laughs> not, and I'm never taking the trash out. Yeah, yeah. that's for sure. Not after dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, while she's running, she sees the police, and she tells him what... She saw, and they go looking, but the van is gone. They look for a while, Mm -hmm. but they eventually don't find anything, so then she's not credible. No. And when they go back to the house, Destiny is in the house. And the police assume that she was just hiding. And so the mom has to agree to take Destiny to a doctor to make sure she's okay. Well, as this is going on, Carter shows up, and he promises Patricia, the mom, and Miss Green, and everyone... Carter is a doctor. He's a psychiatrist, I think. Mm -hmm. He tells everyone that he's going to make sure that DDS won't take her baby and then they leave. And he says this quite often to Patricia, like, I'll do what I can. I'll look into it. Everything will be okay. Well, the next day, Miss Green calls Patricia and says that DDS took the daughter. And when Patricia calls Carter out asking what happened, he says, well, I didn't want to get involved because I don't want to lose my promotion and we don't need to be associated with that. Patricia, just let it go, is what he's saying. Just let it go. We're fine. Don't worry about it. Let the professionals handle it. And Patricia's like, this is a child and their mother, and you don't believe me. And he's just, nope, just brush it off. Ooh, he's infuriating. So Carter makes me want to bang my head against a wall. Yeah. 
I like he's the worst kind of man. And she doesn't get as upset as she should with no. him. But he really is he like that type of man is my worst nightmare. Mm-hmm. The I know man. Yeah. You're gonna listen to me. I know what's best type of man. Ooh, I'm seeing red. We're gonna have to change the subject. I'm getting hot. Yeah. <laughs> no, can't do it. Well, that evening at dinner, James shows up and tells her that the police have been asking him all sorts of questions, and he's kind of, like, hinting at, like, and somebody interrupted my dinner last night, and, like, kind of taunting her. Well, she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, you know, She's like, I can play this game. Yeah. Well, when they sit down for dinner, she's making eyes at Carter, like, shut up, don't tell him that it was me. Oh, my gosh, yes. And the first thing Carter does is rat out Patricia and tells James... Well, we're sorry for what happened. He also tells Blue, their son, that Patricia's all mixed up. Your mom's all mixed up. Worst type of man. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. It gets worse. (laughs) Bear with us. Patricia goes to the bookstore the next day and starts buying all these books on monsters and starts doing her research. And at the next meeting, she tells her friends what she thinks because... She needs her girls. She needs help. The kids are going missing, and she saw him doing this, and they're her friends. Grace is not supportive. She doesn't want any talk about this. She thinks they're all insane. And while everyone else thinks that she's insane, they're also, they also say, you're my friend, and if you believe this, I believe it too. Yeah. So, good for them. Women power. They're sticking together. So... Well, Grace at the meeting was like, I'm not doing this. Y'all are all crazy. The next day, she does call Patricia and tells her that she did some digging and found out that James has a storage unit and that's where he's been parking the van. So she is on board now. It took her a minute. I think she just doesn't want to get messy. Yeah. She knows something's going on. It took her a minute, but she does it. Mm -hmm. So they make this plan on how they're going to get the police to start looking into James. Well... On the night that they're going to call the police and tell them, all of the husbands show up. All of them. Kitties, Grace, Mary Ellen, Slick, of course, Patricia's Carter's there. They're shocked because it's supposed to be detectives, not their husbands. Mm-hmm. And they gather around and they tell their wives that they're insane and that they're acting embarrassing. What really got me was they invited James over and they made these women line up one by one and apologize to him. That is the most infuriating part, I think. The men talking to them in such a condescending way, saying, isn't there something you want to say, Patricia? Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Well, Throw when... the table. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would have been flipping shit. Yeah. Oh, you want crazy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, everyone does. And when they leave, Carter makes Patricia take medication. It doesn't ever say what kind, but I can only assume it's like an anxiety or depression medication. I don't know what it is. It doesn't tell us. And he says it in a way like, you don't have to. I'll let you make the decision, but make the right decision. (laughs) Well, he also tells their kids that they don't have to listen to mom anymore because she's crazy. When she's uh, the one with them all Mm -hmm. the time. Oh, how dare you? Well, something about him telling the kids that they don't have to listen to her makes her snap. And she takes all of her pills at once. Yeah. Are we seeing red lit, red yet, ladies? Because yeah. it gets worse. When Patricia wakes up, she's in a hospital. She's tied down in the bed because Carter didn't know if she was a flight risk or not. And instead of waiting until she's, like, you know, sitting up and had a time to, really like, run or comb through her hair, he brings in her children to humiliate her and to show the kids, like, mom's this side crazy. of her. The mom's crazy. 
And when the kids are like kind of scared and like avoiding her, he says, you see what you see what you're doing to us, Patricia? You see what you're doing to them? He and she's telling it. She says that he did it just to humiliate her, just to show her that he had the power and she didn't. Well, and her son is 10 at the time. And that's what gets me is her son is breaking down. He and she said, all I want to do is hold my baby and he won't let me. And as a mom, oh my gosh, that's one of the worst things you could do to a mom. I think I would have screamed. (laughs) I know she doesn't. And then what does it do? It's it skips three years forward. So then we have a three year skip in the book. Book club has turned into this huge thing. It's no longer these ladies. It's ends up being like 40 people, men and women. And it's all because of James. He has come in and he has a hand in everything that goes on in this town. And he made he has made himself a huge part in everyone's life where he can't you can't get rid of him because then it affects everybody. And not just everybody, but their finances. Mm-hmm. All the men are in business with James Harris now. So to the men, he is something of importance. Well, Patricia is at home and, you know, she gets this overwhelming feeling that somebody is watching her. And then she swears that she hears somebody tell her, go to Miss Green's house. So she does, because she has no reason. She just gives into that feeling. Well, while she's there, Miss Green tells her that kids are still going missing and that one day Miss Green found a photograph on her coffee table. And when Patricia looks at it, she sees that it's James Harris But on the date in the back, it says summer 1928, and that was 60 years ago. Yeah, and it's not a a resemblance. It is him. Him. And you remember beforehand, Miss Mary keeps saying, I remember you in your ice cream suit. James Harris in this photo is also wearing an outfit that an ice cream man would have been wearing in this time. Yeah. So it's all kind of clicking to her. With this, they decide to go look at, his house. Miss Green is his housekeeper and she knows that he'll be out of town. So she decides that she is going to go look around and find evidence, something connecting him to the missing missing children. Before this happens, though, she goes to Slick, who is her really good friend and has kind of stuck with Patricia throughout this whole time and asks her to help. Well, when the time comes to look Patricia gets to work but Slick never really shows up so Patricia just goes on about her business she goes up to the attic and finds a suitcase and when she opens it there is a dead body inside and it's Francine his original housekeeper from the beginning of the book Yeek! and it's so like her eyes are staring yes. at Patricia yeah it's so creepy well while she's up in the attic she hears that James has come home early And it's occurred to her that he has come home early because somebody warned him that she'd be there looking around. So she feels like it must be slick. So it must be slick. That's the only person she feels so betrayed. Yeah. Well, obviously he knows she's in the house. So he's calling at her, telling her he just wants to talk. But she knows he'll kill her. If if he finds her, she's going to die. Because she knows that he would know she's found something. So she... Hides under this blanket and some boxes. As he's yelling, I know you're here, Patricia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so creepy. But he's getting more and more frustrated. Like, she can hear that. Mm-hmm. Well, hours pass. Like, he can't find her, so she's still hiding. Hours pass. And Kitty shows up. Miss Green has called Kitty to tell her, 
Patricia's up in this man's closet, mm-hmm. attic, go get her. She lit a fire to distract the town. Yeah. Kitty went to go get her out. Patricia knows that she has to show somebody this to get somebody on her side. So she shows Patricia no, the body. She cho- shows Kitty the oh, body. Right. Patricia shows Kitty the body to confirm that it's happening. Kitty's Kitty like, sees yes, it. I believe you. Let's go. Yeah, time to get skedaddle. Well, now it's Halloween, and Patricia gets this weird phone call from Slick. And so she goes over, and she's really dazed and confused and in shock. Slick is telling this story. This is another really rough part. Bear with us. James Harris broke into her house and attacked her while her family was downstairs playing board games and told her to not make a sound or he would kill all of them. The reason why he did this was Slick had told him that he needed to leave town or she would turn him in, and this was his way of showing her that he was untouchable. Yeah, and Slick really did believe she was helping Patricia. Mm -hmm. Well, Slick ends up getting really sick and has to go to the hospital. And while Patricia is there, Mary Ellen, their other friend, shows up. And they're talking to her and they're keeping her company. And, you know, like friends do, James shows up to the hospital. And he's kind of taunting Slick. Do you have anything you want to say, Slick? Or do you want to add something, Slick? Or can I, you know, do anything for you? And all that jazz. Mary Ellen senses that something's off like women do. Mm-hmm. There's nothing other than what he's saying. She has nothing to go off because Slick hasn't told anyone what happened no, other Mary than Ellen Patricia. No, hasn't known a lot of what's going on. No. So she didn't know the whole story, but now she's feeling off. Mm-hmm. And this part pissed me off, too, because you're just taunting her. Well, he's a psychopath. You're just torturing mm-hmm. her. Patricia asks, you know, like, hey, it's time to go. They shut it down. Everyone leaves. Well, Patricia asks James to take her home because she's going to try and leave some evidence in his car. But on the way home, he's telling Patricia that he wants what Carter has and Carter doesn't deserve her and all that jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. It's a little surprising though. Is it? I think so. That he wants Patricia. I thought he was just trying to distract everything from Patricia. He knows that she sees things a little more than the others. But what a good trophy. The one that has seen you the entire time. Yeah. You know, like, it would kind of be like, you couldn't get rid of me. And he will take care of Patricia and her kids. Disgusting. That's what he's saying. Ooh, he's so creepy. Disgusting. During that same night, she wakes up and goes to check on her daughter and finds... James doing the same thing she found him doing to Destiny all those years ago, but to her daughter. And it ends up being that he's feeding on people. Like, so like the artery on your thigh, like he's sucking the blood out of it. And she finally gets him away from her kid and he says, it's either you or it's her. And he leaves. Well, he says several times things like, this is all your fault, Patricia. Mm -hmm. Because you wouldn't give in to me. And she's like, it is my fault. I should have killed you. Yeah, she's like, all these years, it is my fault. I've just dealt with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Patricia and Slick gather all the ladies from the original book club, and they tell, Patricia tells them what happened to Corey, and Slick tells them what happened to her. And everyone but Grace decides that it's time for James Harris to go. Like, you're messing with our babies. Uh, Get out of here. Well, Patricia gets all dolled up and heads over to his house to tell him that she's made up her mind. She wants to be with him. And he laughs in her face and basically calls her an idiot. Then he makes her get on, gets on her hands and knees and he tells her how it's going to be. And then he starts feeding on her. Makes her get on her hands and knees. It's a really disturbing moment. And it's a very, um, 
she's crying. I mean, it's like snot running out of her face. Like, it's so awful of a moment. But she knows the only way to get him is for... She's got to distract him. She's got to give up herself, the one thing he wants the most. Well, while he's distracted, you know, feeding off of her, Kitty, Mary Ellen, and Miss Green come in and attack him. And he puts up a good fight, but they end up getting him down and they go to work on him. This is all really graphic, and I want y'all to read this book and be surprised and, you know, there to be things. So I'm going to skip this, but basically he gets subdued. And he is talking shit the entire time. And Kitty is so funny during this part because he calls the women a bitch at one part. And Kitty is, you know, murdering him. But in her mind, she's like, why do men do that? Like, that's going to, like, offend me. Like, why bitch do- is the worst thing we've ever been called. Yeah, please. Like, you're, you're, please. <laughs> why do they think that has so much effect on us? And yeah. Miss Green is such a badass. And it's yeah, just... Yeah, Miss Green's good. It's just such a moment. And I, read this book. This yeah. is such mm-hmm. a good book. Well, when they're done, there's a knock on the door, and it ends up being Grace. So at the last second, Grace shows up to help them. And, of course, she walks in, and she's that friend. I see that you're in trouble. She separates them. You two go to this. You two go do this, and I'm going to do this, and we'll be done in an hour. Mm -hmm. And things get done. Patricia gets really sick from an infection on the wound that James Harris has left, and she's out cold for a couple of days. Well, when she wakes up, Carter is there. And instead of being like, oh my God, I'm so glad you're okay. How are you? How are you feeling? He immediately goes on the defense and starts attacking her and asking her where James is because they're he's just up and left and their finances know, are going to fall. Yeah. Carter doesn't know f- that the women have taken care of no. James. They just, Carter thinks that Patricia has been sick and that's it. But he didn't care. All he was saying is, I know you had a thing with James. I know you had a problem with him. Where could he be, Patricia? He's just ranting and raving about how stressed he is. She asks for a divorce. Then he sits down the family. So Patricia, Blue, Corey, and Carter sit down. And he tells them how the divorce is going to be. Mom is going to be trash and I'm going to be successful. And you can either choose her or me. And the kids choose mom. And that's the one biggest win, mm-hmm. I think. They won, they did win against James Harris, finally, after all these years. I believe they did. But the biggest win is all those years doing everything for her kids. It did not seem like they cared. But they knew for sure that their mom was somebody decent and their dad was not. <laughs> so, surprisingly, so when I was reading this book, I knew James Harris was the bad guy. So I was not surprised the by way his behavior. Yeah, the way it's written, we know for sure he is. I hated Carter. Carter, yeah. I hated more than I hated James. It was surprising how much Carter was the bad guy, too. Oh, I hate Carter. That's the worst type of man to me. Yeah. Though I know how it's going to be. Let me sit down and tell you and you're going to listen to me or else type. Such a condescending way of talking to her all the time too. Like, and he doesn't live their life every day, but he knew everything about their life, supposedly. Everything was always Patricia's fault. Mm Mm-hmm. And she's the one doing everything for everybody. Oh, it was awful, but such a good book. (laughs) It was so good. I know it sounds like a beating, guys, but let me tell you, this author, his name is Grady Hendrix. He nails this book. The feelings, the descriptions, the way he talks, the heat. I mean, I could rant and rave about this book all day long. He did so good. I don't know if I could read some of his books. Might be a little scary. This one was terrifying. 
but it was so damn good. I'm actually going to give this one five stars. I'm going to give it a 4.5 only because I'm not as into the gory. It was a little gory for me. And also like now I see cockroaches in places that they're not because oh, yeah. I'm frightened. They're, and <laughs> they're in your hair. They're yeah, on your feet. yeah. But I'm just not as into the gory, but the scary and the suspenseful, that was fun. I don't mind that. Uh, it was a little scary for bedtime read, but... <laughs> you thought? Yeah, it was scary. Did you sleep with the light on? No. I had John there. No. <laughs> <laughs> but if you didn't, would you have slept with the Maybe. light Maybe. Yeah, I might have. Oh. I quit reading it at night, so I probably would have been good after a while. I flew through this book. Once I finally got to so sit fun. down and read it, it was different. I don't think I've ever read a book like this. I don't remember ever reading a book where you are actually scared. I yeah. mean, you know, how can a book make you As scared? As an adult, I'm 30. Yeah. I'm 30. And I can, like, I can't take the trash out. It's nighttime out there. Yeah. <laughs> All I can see is a raccoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so good. I could not get over Grady Hendrix. Not only did he write a good, like, story, but the way his, like, family dynamics... Just the way he got all kinds of walks of life into one story, it was just so good. If you're... He also touches on a lot of sensitive things, mm -hmm. but in a, a way that makes you think. I mean, he does touch on race. He does touch on assault. He does touch on all kinds of sort of stuff like that. And it is... It makes you think. It's a good book, but it's also really funny at times. And it's really cleverly done. It's and so clever. And the re women relationships. And, mm -hmm. and it was, I mean, this book is set 20, 30 years ago through, and it's, you know, it skips forward quite a bit here and there, but it is very different on how women behaved as moms and wives, a little more submissive than even now. I mean, mm -hmm. like, it wasn't that long ago. No, but it wasn't. Here's the deal, though. I've never been to Georgia, South Carolina, so I don't know about them. But I don't know one woman that would tolerate Carter. <laughs> but I think it's the time. You I think? don't think it's the state. I think it's the 20, 30 years ago. That's true. That's true. I, I just love this book. I, I really don't have anything bad to say. Yeah, I gave it five stars. I yeah. loved it. It was gory, but it's supposed to be. They He mm -hmm. didn't tell you that he was writing about unicorns and fairies. I think it's, that I mean, it helped that there were the lighter moments in mm -hmm. there, and it was only, like, section at a time that it was really gory and scary, so that it helped you to get through it. If it was nonstop, you, I don't know if I could do it. But, but when but. an author can write down words that make you feel like somebody is breathing yeah, down your back, that's, imp that's exactly what you're supposed to do. That's your job. And he hit it out of the park. And I was literally... Literally at the end, sitting on the edge of my seat. Yes, Not yes. like, oh, I was on the edge of my seat. No, I was literally Pulling on the out. edge of my yeah. seat. Yes, with my hands in my hair. Yeah. Oh, how are they going to get through this? Oh my god. They gosh. better get through this. Work it faster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. It was so yeah. good. I would recommend this book to a lot of people. I think almost anyone could read it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really I would, do. I would Men, recommend it. women, anybody. It's a for anybody book. It's I loved it. One. I loved it. I'm giving him five stars, and you're giving him 4.5. Yep. So don't mess with us Southerners, vampires. <laughs> yeah. It might take us. Don't mess with mamas. Six for years, sure. but we'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, we are reading Mexican Gothic. I'm excited. I am very excited about mm -hmm. that one. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. Couldn't tell you what it's about right now because I've decided I'm not going to look into the books anymore. I'm just going to read them I want so I don't one, get swept up in hype. I want one sentence of description and that's it. And then I'm not going to make any assumptions. <laughs> I can't do it because I always get caught swept up in the hype. I know. 
So I'm just going to read it. The cover's beautiful. I hope it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. Follow us on Instagram at bookish like that. Like us. Review us. Review us. DM us. Tell us what you like, what you want us to read. And if you've read the Summer's Book Club Guide to Slaying Vampires, let me know what you think about it. Yep. All right. We'll see you next week with Mexican Gothic. Bye, readers. <laughs>